We are just weeks away from the Republican Iowa caucus, the official kickoff to the presidential primary season. In many years, Iowa provides a golden opportunity for a candidate to break out from the pack or establish him or herself with a surprise strong finish. This year is different. Looking at the race in Iowa, former President Donald Trump up by 30 points now. And former President Donald Trump's lead is growing in the state. Iowa, 51% of Iowa voters now support the former president as the nominee, while 90%... In this race, the Republican field has only ever had one leader, former President Donald Trump. And that is despite the fact that he is currently facing 91 felony charges from state and federal jurisdictions, and that he has not participated in a single Republican presidential debate so far. Republican candidates who are running against Trump to try and be the presidential nominee themselves, they've been reluctant to criticize or challenge the former president. Vivek Ramaswamy often goes out of his way, in fact, to praise Trump. President Trump, I believe, was the best president of the 21st century. It's a fact. Chris Christie, the former New Jersey governor, is the only candidate who has consistently criticized Trump and criticized his fellow candidates for not doing the same. The fact is that when you go and you say the truth about somebody who is a dictator, a bully, who has taken shots at everybody, whether they've given him great service or not over time, who dares to disagree with him, then I understand why the Thieves Three are timid to say anything about it. But perhaps as a result, Christie has often found himself at the back of the pack, struggling to stay relevant in the race. Trump, for his part, often seems to be ignoring the primary altogether when he does campaign. We have to send a great signal, and then maybe these people just say, okay, it's over now. It's over. we got to end it because we have to focus on crooked Joe Biden and the Democrats. Consider this. Donald Trump has been the clear frontrunner in the Republican primaries by a hefty margin. As he rewrites the rules of a presidential campaign, are the Iowa caucuses still relevant? If it were up to Donald Trump, he wouldn't even be putting in the effort to campaign for his old job. From NPR, I'm Scott Detrow. It's Sunday, December 17th. This message comes from NPR sponsor, the Capital One Venture X Card. Earn unlimited 2X miles on everything you buy. Plus, get access to a $300 annual credit for bookings through Capital One Travel. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. Details at CapitalOne.com. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Capella University. Sometimes it takes a different approach to unlock your true potential. Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format is designed to help you learn relevant skills at your own pace, so you can earn your degree on your terms and apply what you learn right away. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. This message comes from NPR sponsor Rosetta Stone, an expert in language learning for 30 years. Right now, NPR listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership to 25 different languages for 50% off. Learn more at rosettastone.com slash NPR. It's Consider This from NPR. The Iowa caucuses are about a month away, and Donald Trump is dominating the field. That's despite the four different criminal cases he's facing. So for our Sunday cover story, we're joined by two Iowa caucus experts to talk about all of this. Iowa Public Radio's Clay Masters and Jay Ann Selzer, president of the Selzer & Company polling firm. Hello. Thank you. Hello. Nice to be here. So I'm going to start with you, Clay. You've covered a few caucuses now at this point. Does this one feel different to you? 
Well, definitely it feels a lot different. It's unprecedented, uh, which is kind of a, a phrase that gets used almost to the point where it's exhausted. But this yes. is a very unprecedented time to have a former president indicted on several criminal charges and who is far away the front runner of, of the race for the Iowa caucuses. Um, you, you're not seeing a whole lot of growth within the crowds when you go see some of the other second tier candidates. And those second tier candidates are just really far down from where Donald Trump has been in the polls this entire uh, caucus cycle throughout the year. So very, very strange uh, caucus cycle, unlike any of the others that I've covered. And you are the Iowa pollster. How different is the caucus compared to previous ones you've studied when it comes to the numbers, when it comes to where the candidates are at this point in time, about a month out? Right. Well, it's different in a couple of ways. Um, For one thing, we've had sort of more like chaotic caucuses in terms of the polling, with a lot of candidates taking the lead with different polls. And this time, it's a consistent lead for Donald Trump. Significantly in this poll, he cracked the 50% mark. He, he's standing at 51% of likely Republican caucus goers saying he is their first choice. And that's meaningful for two reasons. One is that it's symbolic. If anybody that cracks 50%, that just that's an emotional feeling there. But then secondly, it's algebraically significant, which is there aren't enough percentage points left over among the other candidates at this point to appear to be able to mount a charge. This latest survey that you put together um, was interesting on a lot of different fronts. I think as we were talking before, a lot of your surveys have very uh, aptly popped bubbles of the way people (laughs) hypothesize about campaigns. And have said, well, that's not actually what's happening right now. Uh, You mentioned there was a few different ways that that the, the data surprised you this time around. Right. I think one of the things that surprised us is the the theory was that if some of these lesser candidates would drop out, that would be good for other non-Trump candidates. And maybe that was a little bit of the three-point bump that Ron DeSantis got. But Donald Trump got an eight-point bump. So you kind of think that even though people are dropping out, they're coming still more to Donald Trump. I think another way is that we think or we've heard people say, well, Donald Trump's got all he's got. He's got his group, and then you just got to go get more people who maybe never caucused before. Well, Donald Trump is 51% overall. He's 63% with first-time caucus goers. So if anybody is out there apparently recruiting new caucus goers, it appears to be former President Trump. Mm -hmm. So, Clay, Ann's talking about Trump with this 30-something point lead, again, over 50% in the latest survey. Again, this is somebody who is facing 91 felony counts right now. How does this translate to what you see and hear where you're at these these events, particularly when you're at uh, Nikki Haley or Ron DeSantis events? How, how are people showing up at those events thinking about what's going on right now, making sense of this? Well, most of the conversations that I have with the voters who are turning out to these Ron DeSantis or Nikki Haley events are looking for an alternative to the former president. And they're not talking about any kind of concerns that they might have about what another time for Trump in the White House would mean for democracy or anything like that. They're talking about trying to find an alternative to uh, the divisiveness that Donald Trump has had. They're mm-hmm. they're wanting to move on. But as I mentioned before, we're not really seeing the, the kind of groundswell you see for support in 
in candidates of caucus cycles past. I'm thinking of like Barack Obama or Pete Buttigieg or even Mike Huckabee or Ted Cruz. You saw these, this kind of what felt like a grassroots growth that has happened. And so on, on the, the non-Trump events, a lot of these people uh, are still trying to make up their mind. But when Donald Trump is so far and away the front runner, you wonder what kind of momentum somebody can have when they're coming in at polls like Ann's so low. Um, you know, Ron DeSantis has done the kind of traditional model that has rewarded candidates in the past where he's done all 99 counties, uh, where he's that's every county in the state of Iowa. He's picked up the endorsement of Governor Kim Reynolds, and it's very rare for a sitting governor to endorse. Mm-hmm. But But you're just really not seeing the kind of movement that you would expect in past cycles where that's given some candidates much more trajectory. I'm curious what both of you think about this other factor, you know, the the way that people frame Iowa is so much that 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 people there uh, reward the retail campaigning. You have to put in the work, right? Not only does Trump have his legal problems, he has made campaigning kind of a, a minimal effort thing. He has not participated in a single debate yet. He has not gone to Iowa anywhere near the, the, the amount of time that other candidates have spent there. And yet he doesn't seem to be being punished for it at all by, by, by caucus goers. Does that surprise either of you? I'm aware that he's got a, a much more sophisticated campaign team and that the rallies that he's holding or the big town halls, they're really working those crowds and getting commitments out of them. One rally could be, what, six, seven, eight town halls that mm-hmm. some of the other candidates would mm-hmm. do. And I, I was visited by a reporter from CBS Miami the other day, and he told me that the DeSantis campaign has pledged to knock on one million doors in Iowa. And I looked surprised, and he said, are you surprised? I said, there are only, what, 1.2 million households in (laughs) Iowa. So what counts as a door knock? But it could be that kind of massive effort, which I think we would see just – observationally. And I I go to these different Trump events, and it is much different than it was eight years ago, where there is a video that plays that explains how the caucuses even work. I mean, I've talked to Iowa potential caucus goers who have told me that they have never caucused before, or that this is, uh, you know, they've they've known about it, but they haven't participated. And so the, the Trump campaign is signing people up. You see these people working the crowds. That one volunteer, I remember saying, hats and, uh, and shirts uh, don't translate to a, a, a victory. He put it much more eloquently and quicker than I just did. But you're seeing much more of an effort than you saw eight years ago, for sure. And this is the point in an interview with you in the month before a caucus where I'm contractually obligated to talk about Rick Santorum just for a moment, who oh, good. <laughs> is the patron saint of a candidate who comes from behind at the very last moment and surprises everybody with this huge last minute surge of support. It's not just him who's accomplished that. This is something that has happened time and time again. When you look at the data of where caucus goers are with this contest, do you see any possibility for anybody to pull that off over the next month? Well, the ghost of Rick Santorum whispers in my ear, <laughs> never say never, because he was polling in, you know, four, five, six percent in our next to the last poll. He only got double digits the first night of our final poll, and then grew, and then grew, and then grew. And and if you look at the overall number, it wasn't that su- astonishing. But the trajectory from those nights, that night after night building, you know, he ended up winning the Iowa caucuses. Clay, what have all the conversations that you've had at all of the events for DeSantis, for Haley, for Trump, for anybody else, 
the the state of this race a month out. What do you think that tells us about the state of the Republican Party in 2023 going into 2024? This is still very much the party of former President Donald Trump. Um, Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley are trying like heck to try to have some kind of a groundswell. But what the former president has done to take control of the Republican Party is still very alive and well. You're seeing it uh, even, like I said earlier, the people that are showing up to these other candidates' events, they're not saying anything too negative about the former president. They're saying they just want to move on. And so it's kind of a miraculous thing to see where things were eight years ago and to see how much just his grip on the Republican Party has strengthened uh, since his first presidency and as he's running for a third time. Yeah. That's Iowa Public Radio's Clay Masters. Clay, thanks so much. You're welcome. As well as J. Ann Selzer, president of Selzer & Company Polling Firm. Thank you so much. My pleasure. It's Consider This from NPR. I'm Scott Detrow. History is intriguing, but unlike the present, it can feel far off. On NPR's Throughline, we bring it back to life. I will toss you in the air like a lion. I will leave no one alive in your realm. Go inside the stories from then that shape the world we live in now. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts. Support for NPR and the following message come from IXL Learning. IXL Learning uses advanced algorithms to give the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. Get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com NPR.